Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the astrologer Bill Atride radio show. I'm Bill Atride, and today is our 23rd show of 2020. And I just want to apologize that I've been off the air for several weeks now. I wasn't intending to be off that long, but uh, I did need to take a break, and I had a lot of uh, reading requests coming in that I had to get done. And and of all things, then I got a cold, and that sort of freaked me out, because if you can get a cold, you, of course, can get COVID. And uh, (laughs) so I tried to figure out how the hell that happened. But anyways, I recovered from that. It was just a cold, thank goodness. And... uh, and then I had to catch up with my work again. So uh, here we are today. Um, and uh, what I thought I would do today is conclude what had been a series that I was doing on the major astrological influences, really, that occur over the course of every year, but looking at them more in terms of our uh, present and recent past and recent past history, uh, starting, of course, with the, what I call the triad of spirit, Pluto, Neptune and Uranus. Uh, which are the long wave and great timekeepers for for astrology. But then now today, I thought we'd turn and look at these other ancient teachers and timekeepers of Jupiter and Saturn and see what they have to sell, uh, tell us or show us in terms of their influences. Again, in terms of present circumstances, but looking again back to history to get some sort of understanding of what that may show. Um, and of course, once I finish my, my little spiel here, which may be rather lengthy, I, I hope to get it done quickly, but I want to be thorough. Um, then I'll open up the airwaves to your questions and take you the callers that I see already here in the switchboard and answer your questions. And if you have a question, just give me your first name and, and then uh, whatever. Uh, if you're asking about your chart or someone else's chart, I, I would need their birth information, like date of birth and place of birth, certainly. And if you have time of birth, then I can tell you that much more. Um, and you can always cer- certainly contact me through my email, which is Bill, my name, Bill at tried at gmail.com. That's B-I-L-L-A-T-T-R-I-D-E at gmail.com. If you want to ask me a question or send along a question for the show or even contact me for perhaps getting a personal reading, which is what I do. Um, and, and I hope to continue in the next few weeks rolling out several shows talking about both the, reviewing this year and what we've done already, but also looking ahead to 2021 and beyond as we begin to turn our attention to those uh, uh, possibilities. Okay. Um, and so, uh, again, I, I, I want to um, uh, also just sort of clear up some calendar stuff here, but just noting that today is a new moon, the November 15th. Uh, and yet we are now moving into that period when we have eclipses coming once again. And so in two weeks' time, uh, on November the 30th, we're going to have a full moon eclipse, which is always significant, but even more significant and longer lasting for astrological purposes are the solar eclipses. And that will happen on December the 14th. Um, and then one week later, we're going to move into the solstice for the year, which is the beginning of Capricorn. And it just so happens to coincide with the topic of today on December 21st. Equally, it will also be the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. So I thought I'd make mention of that because it's really what we're talking about today is the nature and quality of these two planets and their cycle of relationship. So here we go. So in my last three shows, I spoke about the outermost planets, um, Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus, which I like to call the triad of spirit. Uh, They are the avatars for 
us here on earth for the uppermost principles of the divine. In order, they represent the will of God, the love of God, and the mind of God. They hold for us the truth about the path to our spiritual unfoldment, wherein we strive to develop ever more centered wills, unconditional love, and freer minds. Now, I examined their role in their intersecting cycles and interdependent influences for our current period and then compared that to similar moments in history. And so for today, I will continue this explanation of mundane planetary influences by examining the cycle of relationship of the next two planets moving closer to Earth, Saturn and Jupiter. Saturn is the avatar of reality and is generally known as the planet of limitation and caution. In mundane astrology, Saturn is the ruler of institutions, family, community, business, and government. It rules civil society, law enforcement, chief executives, corporations, real estate, and public buildings. Saturn is the planet of realism. Jupiter is the avatar of truth, and as Saturn's counterpart, it is generally known as the planet of expansion and optimism. In mundane astrology, Jupiter rules the realms of truth and wisdom, metaphysical, religious, philosophical, and scientific. It rules the legal system in churches, universities, and publishing. Jupiter is the planet of idealism. Jupiter provides the meanings to Saturn's reality structures. Saturn provides the vehicles for the realization of Jupiter's truths. They are always held together. Like all planetary pairs, they modulate and shape one another. And we can see this dynamic interplay in their cycle of relationship with one another. The orbit of Saturn is about 29 years and spends about two and a half years in a sign. The orbit of Jupiter is about 12 years, spending about one year in a sign. Their synodic period, which is them moving from one Jupiter conjunction with Saturn to the next, is about 20 years. Since they rule two opposite principles, growth versus limitation, these conjunctions every 20 years have been carefully noted by mundane astrology. What we find is that at each conjunction there is some change, often a reversal of trends from the previous 20-year period in the culture, economy, and political nature of a community or culture. What happens is that the Jupiter force expands along a certain pathway of meaning until it encounters the hard limitations of Saturn realities. Astrologers call this ending and beginning of their cycle at the conjunction a mutation. After three conjunctions, or 60 years, their position will be roughly nine degrees further along in a sign. That means in 40 conjunctions, 40 times nine, equaling 360 degrees, they complete a cycle through the zodiac. Those 40 conjunctions times 20 years adds up to 800 years for a complete cycle for them. What we observe as astrologers is that for roughly 200 years, their alignments will occur in the same element, fire, earth, air, or water. And we call these series of conjunctions in the same element, 
the lesser mutations. But every 200 years or so, their conjunction will move into the next element for the next 200 years. And astrologers call that a great mutation. That is what is happening this December 2020. The last time Jupiter and Saturn shifted like this was 1840, when they moved from the element of fire to Earth. This time they'll begin their 200-year cycle in air, starting with Aquarius. There are those who say that this is one more indicator that we are moving into the oft-mentioned age of Aquarius. And there are other cycles and signs that point to this too. Looking to the USA, we can observe the history of their Earth conjunction since 1840, and it can help us understand and delineate the character and meaning of each 20-year period. They reveal a pattern of unfolding energy forms that bring us to the great turning point we are now approaching. We would expect, given that through this 200-year earthy period, the root character of these Jupiter-Saturn seeds would be dominated by considerations of the physical world on matters of wealth and production, and socially and spiritually on questions of how material values are understood and manifested. If we divide these periods according to the U.S. presidents presiding at the start of each period, we will find the following. 1840 to 1860, Harrison. This was a period of great expansion for the USA, principally accomplished by the seizure from Mexico of much of the western parts of the United States in the Mexican War, which added Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. Spiritually and materially, it was also the period leading up to the most consequential crisis for the United States, the Civil War, as this period was characterized by the rising existential struggle over the question of whether new states would enter as free or slave, with the slaveholding states dominating the federal government and the Supreme Court. Then, 1860 to 1880, Lincoln begins with the Civil War, which leads to the defeat of the Confederate South, the elimination of slavery, and an end to the political and economic dominance of the southern states. But the attempt at reconstruction in the South fails, and the true emancipation and political and economic equality of the former slaves was denied for the next 100 years. 1880 to 1900, Garfield witnessed the end of the frontier as the repeated seizures of land and broken treaties and the removal of native peoples for many hundreds of years was finished at the Wounded Knee Massacre in 1890. This period also saw the rise of industrial capitalism and of great monopolies giving this period its title of the Gilded Age or the age of the robber barons. It was also the beginning of the USA's own colonial expansion by the seizure of Hawaii and the Spanish territories in the Caribbean and Philippines in the Spanish-American War. 1900 to 1920, McKinley. The USA emerged onto the world stage as a rising power economically and politically, especially with its critical entrance into World War I. 
But the unfettered capitalism of the Gilded Age had also led to the progressive reform movement with attempts to rein in the excess power of the moneyed class by reforms in the civil society and government regulations, leading to a national income tax and a more robust regulatory structure. 1920 to 1940, Harding, the end of the World War I, suffrage, and the vote for women and prohibition were the final acts of the reform era, which led to the roaring 20s and a bubble of wild speculation that ended with the Great Depression starting in 1929. Roosevelt attempted with the New Deal to build a more sustainable economy, and the USA began to move towards a more equitable distribution of wealth. But many agree it is World War II that restores the economic industrial engine of the United States, which becomes the arsenal of democracy, leading the allies against the Axis powers. 1940 to 1960, Roosevelt. The battles of World War II and its conclusion leads to the Marshall Plan for rebuilding Europe and the emergence of the Cold War with the divide between the East and the West, between capitalist versus communist countries. The USA is the dominant world power leading the West against the USSR. 1960 to 1980, Kennedy. The Cold War reaches its climax in the nuclear arms race and the United States enters the disastrous Vietnam War. Meanwhile, domestically, the civil rights movement leads to a backlash and the Democratic South turns Republican. The economic imbalances generated by the Vietnam War and Johnson's Great Society leads in the, in the late 1970s to what becomes known as stagflation and grinding economic malaise. 1980 to 2000, Reagan. The Reagan Revolution takes on the growth of the so-called welfare state by slashing taxes and programs, a reversal of Roosevelt's New Deal and Johnson's Great Society. The more or less equitable distribution in the growth of wealth in the USA from 1940 to the late 1970s is halted. And so once again, the rise of the great inequality between the haves and the have-nots begins. Reagan claimed that government is the problem and the Republican Party and neoliberal movement pushes an agenda of cutting taxes while promising more revenue from what they claim would be a robust growth in the economy. But the elder George Bush calls the move voodoo economics. Later, Clinton, as a centrist Democrat, moves the country further down this path of growing inequality, which was masked for a time by a general rise in economic growth brought about by the end of the Cold War. The rise in wealth is increasingly distributed to the top 10%. 2000 to 2020, Bush. The Bush presidency is shocked by 9-11 as the forces unleashed by the end of the Cold War and Russia's war in Afghanistan comes home to the United States. The war against terror begins and has not ended as the Federal Reserve keeps interest rates low to support the increasingly unequal growth of wealth in the economy. This artificially low interest rate structure sows the seeds for the mortgage crisis in 2006 and 2007, 
leading to the second Great Depression starting in 2008. Obama stabilizes the economy, but the economic imbalances remain and lead to a further splintering of the country between the haves and the have-nots. With neither Democrats nor Republicans addressing the unsustainable imbalance of wealth in the country, Trump is elected as a populist with the promises to fight as an outsider and an iconoclast. But he enacts another typical tax cut that rewards the wealthy while further eroding the social safety net. The abysmal state of that safety net is fully revealed by the disastrous response to the pandemic of 2020. 2020 to 2040, Biden. We do not know what lies ahead of us now, but we do know there is a new era emerging with the December Jupiter-Saturn great mutation conjunction ushering in a 2200-year period and the energy form that will be at the root of this new era will be guided by air, not Earth. What might this mean? The previous age of air was from 1226 to 1425 and marked the transition from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance in Europe. Among the signature events, the translation from Arabic versions into Latin of Greek works of art and philosophy, seeding a rebirth of classical understanding and intellectual growth. New democratic assemblies forming in Switzerland and England. The advent of humanism with the study of classical literature as a living tradition. The invention of movable type in Korea and printing presses in Europe are among many other discoveries and inventions. The movement towards reason and critical thinking established the foundation for the Renaissance and the later age of enlightenment. The last 200 years have been shaped as an age of earth conjunctions, and it certainly has become apparent that over this period, the governing paradigm and goal was to have more of more things. The accumulation of wealth and possessions became the driving purpose of life. The more things you had and consumed, the happier you would be. But it turns out this is not true, not at all. The presiding cultural ideologies and even variants of many religions of this period have not been guided by concerns for the highest moral good or the well-being of other humans or other life forms or for the planet in general. Most of the thought energy forms in our cultural, political, and spiritual spheres have been shaped and bound to the only value that has but one dimension, the value of quantity. Over the arc of the past 200 years, it would seem to an outside observer that the only good was endless materialistic production in service to an unquenchable consumption of things. More of more was supposed to make you happier. But the more people had, the more they wanted. Whole ecosystems and environments and whole species were and have been sacrificed for the pursuit of wealth and power. It was not life that mattered. What mattered was the so-called good life as humans pursued ever more material pleasures. What has been the price? 
we have ended with a neoliberal economic system wherein the purpose of life is driven by the freedom to pursue this one-dimensional value of quantity at the expense of everything else, where only more of more material things mattered. And, and the price of the, all these things? This amassing of quantities has come at the cost of stealing from the future of our descendants. We have been thieves and we are to this very day stealing their future still. With regards to those who come after us, we will have left them so much less than we had. We drank their water. We breathed their air. We ate their food. And, we're, and we are leaving them a broken world where they will struggle to survive. It will be a world that will be unrecognizable to you or to me. And it will be a world that is more and more unlivable for most of humanity and many other species. I don't mean to say that this age of Earth had to have turned out this way. That's not true at all. The energy forms presiding in any period may manifest in a whole array of beliefs and actions. And that lead, will lead to a range of possible outcomes. There were many other influencers in the arc of our journey that led to this crisis. And innumerable choices were made by humans in this period. And indeed, in the prior periods of great mutation epochs, like the preceding period of fire from 1663 to 1842, or of water from 1425 to 1663, all of these contributed to the shaping of human desires, capabilities, and actions that produced the existential threat of climate change that we face now. The good news is we created this. It was not because of an asteroid striking the Earth. It was not the result of worldwide volcanic eruptions. These past extinction events came from so-called natural or external causes. The good news is we made this crisis. The good news now that we know is that we can choose to change. We can still make a different future if we act now. What we must do is face reality. To see what we have made, we need to understand what we have done and decide what we need to do. Slowly at first, but increasingly from the 1840s onwards, we made a worldwide civilization that is built upon the power of energy forms that have been locked away for millions of years in coal and oil and gas. We thought we were so clever, so intelligent and crafty. We released stupendous amounts of energy to amass wealth and power. But we did not fully account for the true costs for the life forms on this planet. Through a lack of understanding and humility, we changed the delicate balance of energy forms and life forms on this planet. And we did this in what amounts to a geological second. What might have changed over tens of thousands of years we did in mere decades. 
we are the creators of this new earth where whole species and ecosystems are vanishing year after year. We have moved our world from a benign and livable planet to what many are calling a hot house earth. The increasingly dramatic climate change effects and make no mistake, the 2020 pandemic is another unintended but direct example of this have been the result of our creating material wealth through the destruction of the web of life on this planet. There is no way to balance our gain with this terrible loss. The spiritual balance sheet for humanity is very much in the negative at this point in history. Will this be our legacy? Will we be the first ones who are not honored, but instead are cursed by our children's children? Will we be remembered for our selfishness and greed? How did this happen? Because we humans came to believe that we are separate and apart from all other life forms on this planet, we made them into the other, less than us, and so destroyed the balance of life on this planet. And then we also separated ourselves from one another. We divided humans into us and them by race, ethnicity, creed, and culture. And so we continue to destroy one another too. Why did this happen? Because we forgot the first truth. You are here to love one another. And so you are equally here to love life and protect this precious planet and the many lives that depend upon it now and for the generations to come. For it is certainly true that your lives depend upon one another and on these other life forms too. We are supposed to take care of one another and this planet, to love and preserve lives, not to destroy them. What I hope for, what I believe, is that this age of air, along with other planetary shifts, will bring us into a great awakening. In fact, I believe that is what we are experiencing now. I believe we will turn from destruction to preservation. We will turn from selfishness to selflessness. We will turn from taking to giving. We will turn from greed to love. I believe we will because we must. We must honor those and love those who will come after us by choosing to sacrifice for one another and for all life on this planet now. This age of air can and hopefully will usher in a new global consciousness founded upon a new principle that the first fundamental and presiding value of spirit is love. And the most important consideration for all our actions shall be to care for one another and to preserve and protect all life on this planet, our earth, our beautiful home. We are here to walk in beauty. We are here to be surrounded by beauty. 
We are here to love and be loved. Let us live as we are meant to live, surrounded by beauty and living by love. It is not too late, but there is no time to wait. We will be the ones remembered for their sacrifice. We will be the ones who face with the selfish option to live for now and ourselves that we chose instead to preserve, to protect, and make possible a better world for those who come after us. Let this be our moment. Let this be our sacred covenant with one another and our descendants. Let us be the ones they remember for our sacrifice, courage, and love. Let it be so. Let us make it so. Okay. Um, I just have to get a little sip of water here. Hold on. I forget to do that when I'm talking. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my, my throat refuses to make a sound except something rather strange. And I realize um, I'm in a physical body again, and uh, I have to take care of it, as we all do. Um, okay, well, I hope, I hope you all heard that. And, of course, as, as always, I'm going to um, uh, take my talk, as I do for many of these talks, and turn it into a, a transcript, and I'll publish that later this coming week for all of you. Um, and then I'm, I'm thinking that I, what I'd like to do is then take this, this entirety of the, the triad of spirit, the, in, you know, the, the talk about Pluto and Neptune and Uranus and now Jupiter and Saturn and put it all together, sort of summarizing the whole of it again and talking about where we've come from and where we are and where we're going. Uh, that might be a nice way to sort of um, complete this series and look to the future and see what's coming around the corner in 2021 and beyond. Uh, but anyways, you've all been very patient there waiting for me to turn to you, and I want to, uh, to answer your questions and see how you're all doing. Um, and, so, and again, if you have any questions about what I talked about just now or anything else in the past, it's certainly something we can consider as well. But um, let me take up the callers here, hopefully in some reasonable order. So I'm calling on someone from area code uh, 203. You're on with Bill. Who's this? Hey, Bill. Hello? Hi, it's Pat. Hi. Thanks so Hi, much. Hi, Pat. Hi. Hi. Sure. I, you've got my information at seven twelve fifty-three. Hold on. Let me just. Okay. Uh, let me get into my database there. Uh, seven twelve fifty-three. Now, do I have your last name too? Is that why I'm looking for Pat and I'm not finding? Oh, I'm <laughs> probably. Sorry. Yeah, probably Haley. H A L E Y. Um, so you should uh, have the time. Oh. I do, I do, I do. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, and how can I, I help you, Pat? Um, I either, if you can look at what happened a week or so, or if you can tell me what's ahead of me is going to get better. I just want to, I won't take forever, but um, just incredible shock financially and, maybe mismanagement oh. and on and on. And um Oh no. I mean it's it's so bad I've gotta get a loan if I can get a loan. Um to pay for a oh, bill gee. that wasn't my fault. Anyway, 
shocking. Yeah, yeah. I have to move forward. Just, it's so shocking yeah. because I've struggled so much. At age 67, for the first time in my life, I'm starting to say, am I being punished, which I never would have said my whole life. I mean, it's just one thing after another after another. Yeah, uh, if yeah, you yeah. see that the future looks bright financially soon, that that would be better news. But uh, <laughs> well, again, again, there we 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 sow seeds and we don't even know we planted them in prior times, and we think everything is fine, and then we it comes back to bite us, and not in just in this life, but prior lives. So karma is perfect, but sometimes delayed, and we don't know why this is happening to me now, and it doesn't seem fair or or a product of anything that I consciously knew I was doing or didn't do, you know, those sins of omission or commission. But I would, I would point in your chart principally this year, and probably we've spoke, spoken on, and, 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 and mentioned this in, in previous times talking, that this was a year that you were going to get shook up in a very big way. Um, and, the, and you could lay it at the feet of, though, we can't blame planets for this. They just time these events and whatever emerges is, we created those conditions in some way is the fact that the planet Uranus, the awakener, the planet that brings shock surprises and upsets into our life. It's the uh Oh factor in a chart. Um, and it seems often when it's striking us, it's a loss or a, a devastating blow that it changes everything. Right. And, and, but eventually new possibilities open up because of that. Um, that planet was, is not just touching one thing in your chart, but two at the same time. And that's because you're born with the Moon-Mercury conjunction. Um, and this year, Uranus from Taurus is squaring your Mercury and Moon in Leo. Um, and what's interesting in this case about that, it made three passes. The first passage would have been in, in the month of May. But that's usually sort of setting things up. Um, and then the second passage, because it goes forward, then it retrogrades and comes back again. So it was the first passage is like, it's like a heads-up call. Something's happening, but we're not sure quite what often. The second passage, we have the uh-oh. Now I know what it is. And the third passage is hopefully the resolution. So the first pass was May. The second pass was right here in November, this, this month. The third pass will be in March. Um, and so those are the three months oh where you're really most shook up and most on edge. But the worst of it, the, most, the, the obvious drama of it occurs now. What's striking about that for me as an astrologer is that Uranus is now moving through your eighth house, hitting your Mercury and your moon. Um, and, and why that's important is that the eighth house is the house that rules debts and financing and taxes, our obligations to one another. And, and if there have been uh, miscarriages in terms of how I was managing my resources or how others were managing it for me and that I'm now going to incur uh, difficulties in terms of tax liabilities or I don't have the resources I thought because it was not a good investment, whatever it may be, this is the house that would bring that to bear. You, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong, but this is where an astrologer and looking at your chart would say, if you're going to get shocks this year, it'll be in the realm of debts, financing, taxes, and things of that nature. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, and what it means, what it's requiring is like, okay, whatever assumptions I had there in this regard to my life, I have obviously been upset by this. I have to rethink things. I have to m remain pliable and flexible and adaptable, right. not be rigid and get knocked down by it and say, it is what it is. All I can do is go forward right. with this. Um, yeah. And of course, 
of course, this is your body. The moon is your body, your planet, as we say in astrology, but your ruling body. Um, and Mercury rules the mind. And so you, it rattles you emotionally. It rattles you mentally. And of course, cancer's whole reason for being in life is to have a life that is yeah. connected and secure and, yeah. and feel as if I, I have security. And so to feel insecurity, which is what this would cause, is striking at your deepest fear. Um, and so it's a challenge, but again, an opportunity to rise above that fear and say, okay, whatever is, is, and I have to be creative and intelligent and adaptable to find my way through this. Uh, be thankful for what I have, uh, m- take the steps I need to take. Um, but certainly this was going to be a year that would definitely shake you, uh, in a major way. Wow. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um, shook me in lots of ways. I remember you telling me this in the very beginning. Do you want a little feedback? Oh, sure, please. I, I, I want, I'd love to have some feedback, yes. Okay. May and June, I finally wrote my son a 30-page letter of listing everything and really risking losing my relationship with him, but I had to do it for me to stop the negative energy towards me, for him to hopefully someday look at his anger. It's working. But that was a huge one. May and then sent right. a letter first week in June. August, Wonderful. I had a stroke. Mm-hmm. August, oh. I had a stroke. 67, big surprise. Um, gratitude about it and worry. And with this money thing, I've had a few thoughts of, oh, my God, am I going to bring something on again? Which is, I know fear. The stroke is so soon that I still have irrational fears. Um, I almost lost my health insurance um, a couple of months ago, Um, and and I had a huge car bill, and then I'll tell you, um, because of the mistake of my mechanic, my engine blew. So I don't even have my car. It's, uh, you know, 50 miles away. Um, And... I've been telling myself, you will get by this, you will survive, but there's that gnawing, and I'd like to ask you about it, and maybe here's the lesson. You know, it's his fault. And I was just speaking to a female friend, and she said, you need to let that go and move forward. And I thought, wow, I haven't even talked to him about it. Let it and I guess that's a big lesson, you know. But I'm confused. It's, it's, it's not only a huge financial thing, it was someone's fault. Could be karma, as you yeah. say. But right. that's hard. Well, that's yeah. hard to and again, yeah, and, and again, well, again, if it, if it is someone's fault and they're not owning up to that fault, that becomes their negative karma in terms of going forward, that spiritual justice is perfect, human justice less so. Um, if there are steps you could take to recoup some of your loss and there's a, an insurance claim or whatever it could be that would help him help pay it or whatever it was, that would be something I, I guess to pursue. Um, but, but basically this is sometimes with Uranus, it's the message is let it go. Um, yeah. that, that this thing is meant to shake you free of something and show you that your real security is how secure you are within yourself. And externally things are going to come and go. And if you're too attached to them in the form they're in, you remain very vulnerable so we, we have to sort of, you know, when the, our treasured vase breaks or our favorite whatever breaks, 
we should mourn it and be sorry, but we, we really can't go back. We have to go forward. Um, and, and sometimes it's no one's fault um, or sometimes it's our fault. Um, and we just have to yeah. forgive ourselves and forgive one another um, and be thankful for what we have. And hopefully, like you say, yeah. the better the better lessons and measures coming out of this experience was this door opening with your relationship with your son. And hopefully that continues. Um, that would it be will, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, I've been um, thanking my car every day and protecting it every day for the past couple of months more than ever before. I think probably intuitively I knew something was going to happen. Um, and right. also even accepting the huge bill that's the other thing. I feel completely paralyzed because whatever I do bring in is going to go to be paying it off. So I realized today when I was saying you can let go of this, I realized, well, I won't have money to get supplements for my dog or, you know, things that come up. I'm, you know, I'm just right. stating this, that as I let go, I keep finding more blocks and it's just, it's kind of really confounding me. It's, you know, the, the the impact of this is stunning. Yeah, no, you're, 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 this, this month is, you're really on edge and you need to sort of, you know, not get, you need to unfreeze your mind and just be flexible and not be rigid and know that I need to, I need to think outside the box here and, and challenge my own assumptions about things and try to rearrange my priorities so I can get through this period and know it's going to calm down sooner than later yeah. once we get through November. But you're still okay. in the thick of it right now. So I would say don't make quick decisions. Sit back. Think on things. Maybe decide okay. something then sleep on it and see if the decision is still there the next day. Don't, don't, don't let the agitated energy make you, yeah. you make another problem for yourself, right? Don't, 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 don't jump. Yes. Be methodical. Be careful. Make sure it feels right before you do anything and then still sleep on it and wake up and then decide, okay, this is the way to go. But you need to calm your nerves down. You're, you're rattled right now. And okay. you, and I'll let you go, but you, what, March is going to be another difficult time. No, that's when you realize you've done the work and you're released now from the things that you didn't even know were okay. boxing you in. And hopefully a lot of growth okay. comes And in. Indeed, your Saturn and Jupiter are moving into your fifth house next year that should bring a lot of growth and expansion in terms of your experience of play and the child within yourself and enjoying children in your life, which would be Wonderful. then probably your son, should be the where you see too, great, yeah. okay, great growth occurring in 2021 in your area of, in that part of your okay. chart. Okay. I'm okay. so glad I got you and I appreciate your time. This was wonderful. Sure. Thank you. So you're oh, helping me oh, to move uh, forward. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Pat. Much, Talk to you later. Much gratitude. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay, be, be well. Bye. Okay. Um, and let's take up the next caller here. Hi, you're on with Bill, area code 202. Who's this? Hi, Bill. It's Camilla. How are you? I'm fine, Camilla. How are you? Not too shabby. Uh, I have to thank you for that beautiful sh- sermon you gave. Only the way that a Capricorn I know. can do so thoroughly. <laughs> Jesus. I, <laughs> like, I need to go I back know. I, 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 
I start <laughs> sketching these things out and I have, the problem is I have so much to say. It's trying to, as any writer knows, it's trying to take that lump of clay and fashion to something that sort of holds together and doesn't under or overwhelm. And I, I, I take care with that. I, I, I sometimes it just down, jot down notes and then I just wing it. Sometimes I know I got to write this out because it's, it's got to be clear and, and orderly. And I do that. Um, but thank you. Yeah, no, I, I take time with you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you can tell. So, so what's lovely. going on for you? What, what's happening in your life? <laughs> well, it's been much improved. I called probably a while ago just about job, all kinds of stuff was up in the air. And now things are actually mm-hmm. settling down a bit. I have some security. Even though I'm still freelancing, I do feel more just confident um, and have more faith in my ability, which is great. And I just wanted to see upcoming transits, I guess, or anything that you see popping up for, you know, upcoming 2021. I know I've got a progressed new moon happening, um, which I heard is supposed to be pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah. yeah, you only get two. Yeah, you get two or three of those in your life, and it's we consider it a oh, seed wow. being planted uh, for a person. And so, um, a progressed new moon, you would have had one when you were very young, before you even hit your teenage years, and then now this yes, is the second one. So up, one really actually, happening. Yeah. yeah, I looked it up. It was and, in my third house in Pisces, and I literally right. went to a new school a new Quaker school and met a whole new group of people that I was never around. Like I was just so shocked when I actually looked it up and saw like what coincided with the two. So, well, that's amazing. The third house again is, is, yeah, the third house is the house of our intelligence and mindfulness and communications developing and brought about the influences of our local environment, which are where we live in our early schooling years, or that's the third house. So that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, this new moon is happening in the fourth house, which is that house of security and home and family and roots. And it just mm-hmm. implies not that I'm going to change my roots, but I'm going to have a deeper, much deeper connection and experience of where I come from and what I'm rooted yeah. in and what, what makes me feel one way versus another. It's really, a, I would call it, a, you've been going through this period of centering for over a year now with moon in your fourth house. But, yeah, well, but forever, but but really this has been a focus on centering and recentering. And so this mm-hmm. should just really, you could say, nail it down or something like that, I suppose. That's what it's for. Um, and, and, of course, in terms of where things are moving, um, you have all that energy, you know, Pluto and Jupiter and Saturn will remain. Uh, for the foreseeable future in that second house of your chart. So in terms of transits, Mm -hmm. the focus is on, Mm -hmm. you know, working on my talents and abilities, my values, my resources, and working them up into a better understanding and and combination of the traits and qualities I use to create value in the world is where I can, where I need to focus my time and attention at this point for sure. Um, And that's going to continue in, in 20. 21, uh, most definitely. Um, and How about see. romance? Um, it's been so sparse. And it, I keep attracting oh, well, okay. Gemini energy, particularly 14, 15 degrees, which even though it's my descendant, it squares my sun and Mercury and doesn't really well, make me feel that, well, that's the <laughs> Well, it's the, it's, it's the, 
it's again when our sun sign gives us a certain energy form of what I'm most comfortable with. With, of course, that's water. It's it has to feel right, and that's the preeminent influence. But then that moon is in Libra, so I have a bit of air in my nature. So of course, emotionally, I want to share my experiences with others and. Part of that sharing is intellectual. And with Gemini on that seventh house, I definitely need a mentally stimulating relationship. Um, For sure. The, the, challenge, the challenge can be that Gemini's per se can be sometimes over, overly challenging and stimulating <laughs> uh, yep. because of their, their, their need for, for to be stimulated. Um, and sometimes you, yeah. they need to be busy doing something or actually several different things, right. so that they right. use that energy up in other activities and forms of accomplishment. I mean, creativity and, and other things that they're doing, and therefore they don't bring it all home and then try to find it through their partner, which the partner would find exhausting. So exactly. they need to have I kept saying I felt like challenges to... One of the tabs on the... Yeah, no, right, exactly. <laughs> no, if things aren't stimulating enough for Gemini, they make it so. <laughs> but, yeah. So it's better to go out in the world exactly. and do that. In, in meaningful and productive ways for them and for the world. And at the home and the home front, they, it's, unless a partner wants it in the home front, you know, that's one thing. Um, but if a partner wants a more peaceful, beautiful home where we ha- repose and enjoy mm-hmm. something as opposed to arguing or fighting or stimulating one another, some people want that. Right. I've, I've met relationships where people seem to be constantly fighting, but they love doing that. They yeah. love arguing with each other. Other people we horrified right. in that relationship. So it's a matter of finding the right person or persons, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, this, it's this tug of war for you because you've got that, that Venus. You've got that Moon-Pluto conjunction, which means you want a profound, deep emotional experience. But that Venus mm-hmm. opposition to the Moon means that I feel there's, there's this – either I feel there has to be – a trade-off, or I just feel I can't get all that I need. I get this, but I don't get that kind of experience in relationships, at least till I figured this thing out. And what's really Correct. sort of told the tale, you know, what's told the tale this year, of course, is Saturn. Saturn's been marching through the end of Capricorn, and your Venus is at the end of Aries. And so this whole year, you're re-examining the question for you this year is, what do I like? What do I mm. want? Who do I like mm. and want? And to make me become mm. clear about that, I get examples one after the other that says, nope, not that. Nope, not, not that. Not, nope, not that. So right. like, which is hopefully right. getting me to the point where, forward. oh, this. Yeah, like all the things that don't work. Um, no one, most people don't have the best <laughs> years romantically when Saturn's on Venus. They just don't. I mean, if they're in a relationship, it could test it, mm-hmm. but they come through it stronger. It's good. But if they're not in one, mm-hmm. it means that I'm having these influences that, on the one hand, make me doubt my own lovability, my own value yeah. is the real root of it. Yeah. And that, that spills out even I'm not trying to be that way. I don't want to be that way, but other people pick it up. And so I may attract then inappropriate relationships that mirroring mm-hmm. to me, hey, you don't love yourself. Mm-hmm. So the answer yeah. is love yourself. Not easy for me to say <laughs> yeah, right. and of course we know it's true we know it's true but when i'm not mm-hmm. when i'm not feeling it because of what's going on it's hard um it is. all that means yeah. is that once we get through this month this is the last pass mm-hmm. this month like those three passes you will come oh, okay. out of this influence 
Saturn will no longer Ooh. be touching your Venus for another seven, eight years and in a challenging way like this. And so they're, the lesson, so to speak, has been learned and I can move on to new experiences and hopefully better relationships and things of that nature would be in the offing. Um, so it's almost done. It's almost done. Um, so, you know, that's the good news. Um, yeah, yeah. For the, for the coming period. Yeah, no. Um, and, and, uh, you, you know, that's, that's all I could say is that it's, it's no fault of your own. And yet, of course, everything is our fault. <laughs> it's like, you know, Absolutely. it's like, no, we're not at fault. But, you know, in another time and place, if I'd gone through certain stages of development, this thing I would have shrugged off and maintained a relationship or, or deepened one existing. But now that I'm still finding my way here, I still am maybe manifesting this energy in a form that brings to me these tests in this fashion. Um, and mm-hmm. they're almost done and we're done. Okay. Oh, awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Bill. Okay. Okay. Camilla, good talking to you. All right. I'll you talk too. to you later. Take care. Okay. Sure. Bye. Okay. Bye. Okay. Next caller. Um, area code 305. Who's this? Hey, Hello. this is Deanna. Yes. Hey, Deanna. Hi. I hear you. I do. Hi. How are you? I, I am, uh, I'm alive. <laughs> You're alive. Okay, really yes. Cause your... you, you, now you, I, I know I was out of commission for a couple of weeks there, and I recall now, now that I hear your voice, you were heading into a procedure, right? Weren't, wasn't that true? I am going to be heading into a procedure. I'm going to start the, the first test tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you know what this Tuesday hopefully, and then okay. it's up to the universe. Oh, in terms of so they're they're doing some tests to like pre pre operation tests, and then given what those tests show, decide to set a date for an operation. Is that that is that what we're talking about then? I guess so, because I think something major has to be done. Okay. Where my Venus uh, is. Where, where Venus is moving right now in the chart? Um, um, well, your, your Venus right now is moving through Libra, um, its own, one of its own signs. And it's in your second house of you know, your values and strengths and abilities. So it's, it's in a good house and in a supportive way for a person. When Venus is there, um, it helps us be stronger or feel more our strengths. That's a net positive. In terms of health matters and health conditions, of course, we always we look at everything and see all the planets and how they're lining up. Um, but the big thing would be what's going on with the sixth house. And we know you're in this year where Saturn has begun its several-year march through your sixth house of health and healing. And it's spent this year dancing back and forth over your Jupiter and now it's, it's now moving forward again and it's just moved beyond your Jupiter. So it's cleared that, which is great. Um, but you also have all those progressed planets in that house, your progressed moons in the sixth house. You're having a new moon in your sixth house in the next month, which means a new beginning for oneself in terms of their, how they order their life and lifestyle on all levels, including the physical, including physical health. So what's good about what's coming up in the very near future um, 
is that Jupiter equally has been dancing around in that latter part of Capricorn. It went retrograde. It went direct. It re-enters your sixth house of health and healing uh, on, on, what day is this? On Wednesday, November 18th. And we'll stay there really the most of the rest of next year. When Jupiter, the greater benefit is in our house of healing, which is where you have it from birth. You're coming to your Jupiter return. That is one of the most protective influences for an individual in any year in terms of their health. Um, so if they need a procedure, um, it stands to reason they'll do better. Jupiter in the sixth house is a general protective agent anyways. The only danger we run into with Jupiter is overdoing. So people with Jupiter in the sixth house are warned, you know, too much of anything is too much. But generally you're protected with your health. But the errors that could run up problems in your life would come from overdoing things, taking in too much, doing too much um, uh, of various things, whether eating or activities that stress the system too much. But Jupiter coming into your sixth house now, which is once every 12 years, would be a positive, protective influence for the next year for you. Okay, so that's really, really good. Um, now, there's never a good time to be operated on. People always want to know, when should I have an operation? What's the best time for an operation? So I, no, no, no. The question is, what is the least worst time? Because the body does not want to be violated, right? Um, and so it takes a lot out of us. So it takes a lot out of us, and our vital forces are uh, diminished by, by having to be redirected toward the healing function now, which we can and should do. Um, and we should be smart like the animals are and just curl up in a ball and wait for the body to heal itself as best it can. But still, um, there are better and worse days to do anything. So when you are moving down that path and they are, if they do want to do an operation or procedure, do circle back to me and say, this is what they're considering and these are the dates they would do it. Can we pick the, the best of those dates, we could do that, okay? It's just, just getting the universe in your corner a little bit more. Um, everything comes down to our own karma and our actions and, and the reactions of our life setting up all these consequences. Um, but certainly it doesn't hurt to know that there are definitely times we don't do things. We never operate under a full moon if we can avoid it. Um, that's one of the rules. And there are other, all these different rules that operate astrologically, which then very much narrows down the number of good days in any period that one should consider a procedure. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. I'm being more. Okay. So Deanna, so please do that. Okay. You, I, hopefully you can reach out to me. I should have another show. I'm planning on it next Sunday. So I'll be here again. Um, but reach out to me directly if you want. Okay. And I'm going to try to take another caller before we're done here. Is that Okay. Just one question. When my Jupiter return begins on the 18th, you say? Um, no, the Jupiter return um, is probably in, from what I can tell, it's late November, early December. That's when it happens. Okay. I can figure it out exactly. But let me let me get one more person on here, and I'll, I'll talk Thank to you, you next week, okay? Thank you. Okay. God bless sure. you all. Okay, bless you. Okay, um, and bringing up this other person, 203 area code. Who's calling? 
Hello? Hi, this is hi, this is Michelle. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hi. Oh, I'm good. I'm so glad you took my call because I'm having, sure. you know, bad year, and I'm thinking next year may not be much better. Okay. Well, do do I have your information already, or do you want to, or can you, do, do I have? Uh, not yet. I can give it to you. Okay. So, okay. So, so let me let me just put your name in here. So it's Michelle, and even though the show ends now. The call doesn't end, so we can keep talking. So don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. So great. <laughs> I, I found I can always run over. So we, you know, no, it's not going to cut me off. It just means the time I, I allotted for is done. Well, yeah. So that's good. So it's Michelle. And what's your birth date, Michelle? Eleven twenty nine fifty six. Okay. And do you know your time of birth? I do. Twelve twenty a.m. Eastern time. And what city were you born in? Uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. Great. Okay, I've got your chart. Have you ever had your chart done before? Um, I've followed my astrology for many years. And I do know something. Okay. I'm not an astrologer per se, but I do follow it. Right, right. Okay. Great, great. Well, um, so you know that you're a Sagittarius, of course with the moon in the sign of Libra, and then you have yep. Virgo as your rising sign, right? Okay, so um, what's, yeah. what's your topic or what's your question for me today? So, um, so for years, I knew that a, a Uranus was coming into my house of health. If you look at it, like, I think that's natally of the Sagittarian uh, being the first time. Um, well, well, then no, what what you do for you is that you, you, um, when you have Virgo as your rising sign, and then the setting sign is going to be Pisces, your sixth, your real sixth house is Aquarius, um, which is ruled by the planet Uranus. So maybe that's what you're remembering. If you do, um, it, it, so if you, but if you're thinking of what's called a solar chart they create those charts by putting the sun at the beginning of a chart and that would put sagittarius there which would put gemini in your seventh house that would put taurus on your sixth house but that would be a generic chart for someone who we don't know their time of birth but when you have a chart a real chart like you have we don't do that we look at the real chart and see where did the planets fall on this person's chart what signs are on their houses that's a much clearer reading of you and what's happening in your life. That's so that okay. has always been the question, which one to use. And the thing is, is that the minute Uranus came into Taurus, boom, I fell down, broke my arm. It turned into something worse. I'm still mm-hmm. trying to recover then other things happened. Now my feet have kicked in. Some one random thing after another for two years, okay. like almost two years straight. So that's the confusing okay. thing about that. Okay. Well, we can go back to when you had that initial injury, the the, the break, falling and break, um, and see. But you have to remember that 
Uranus is the ruler of your sixth house. Um, and so as Uranus goes around the heavens and it does change signs every seven years or so, um, and it was in the course of 2018 dancing around at the doorway of moving from Aries to Taurus. Um, and it's always very eventful. Um, and so it would, it would kick up things. And again, it wouldn't just be that, but by looking at your natal chart, um, you would have Uranus in that period when it's moving across that line of going from Aries to Taurus, it would have spent that whole year, that same one we just had on earlier, if you were listening to Pat, having Uranus square her moon, you had all that year Uranus opposite your moon. It would have been a major shakeup emotionally, rattling you and making your world feel very unstable or unsafe at times. Not that it makes you that way, but it's challenging you to refine security because things seem so insecure. And then going forward, it could continue to, to light up elements in your chart. It would, you've got your, Ven, your Neptune and Venus and early Scorpio. And this, then this year, Uranus has been squaring itself, which would then key off your sixth house of health and healing. So there's ways it occurs in a real chart that reflect this. Now, what's also true for you at this time and let's just see when this started. Um, now there's a, there's a whole thing where we look at transits in a chart. There's also this thing about what we call progressions, which is the inner measure of time. Um, your progressed moon moved into your sixth house of health and healing in June, July of 2020. And so that means there is a great focus on matters of health and healing in your chart right now. And I would add to that of course after all michelle you were born with the sign virgo rising virgo is the sixth half sign it is the sign of health and healing and so the the rising sign is how we approach the world what our what our sort of is driving mission in life people think of virgo rising people as analytical and critical and able to observe things with great clarity and all those things are true and you have that yeah. those strengths and challenges but what Virgos really want, all that need to order and organize and understand things is all in service to one thing for Virgo, which would also be true for you. What you want more than anything else is to be at peace. But things will come along then in your life and throw that peace or order out of whack. And so you're trying to get yourself back to that peaceful place or peaceful state. This is an ongoing thing in your life. Um, and, and so... The fact that your progressed moon moved into your sixth house, that Uranus has been going back and forth over these different elements of your chart would well, certainly well explain why I've gone through this series of, you know, challenging events over the course of this period. Um, that, that would make sense um, in your life. So um, all we can say is, okay, well, what's coming next? What's going to be happening here? Yes. Um, yeah, (laughs) is there, am am, am I done or, I mean, so if I, if I look at the, if, let me run, because I, I can visualize it just looking at it. That's what I was doing. If I then did let the computer do all the calculations of progressions and transits, I can see more clearly when things are starting and stopping and things of that nature. So if I'm just looking up and down the list here of what's happening in the coming period, um, 
now and in the future. Yeah, this year was Uranus squaring Uranus. It It's not done yet. Um, so that's going to continue being an influence, but it's something that you're still under the energy of. And really what it's asking of you, and it's it's true for anybody your age, and we're around the same age, and that is at this point in a person's life, it's saying to you, Uranus to you is really saying by all these disturbances and shakeups is, are you being the person you were supposed to be? You were asked that in, when you were in your early 20s. You're asked that again in your late 30s, early 40s. And again, here in your 60s, the universe says, hey, when are you going to be you? <laughs> now, of course, we're being who we are, but we could be more of who we are. And are we somehow holding ourselves back or taking, expecting less of ourselves and realizing less of ourselves is the question. Um, and so the question for Michelle is, do you feel free to be who you are? all year long. But what you've also been grappling with, and you're probably not alone with this, but it definitely, it's harder for some given what they're going through in any one year. We've all been very compromised this year in terms of our social connectivity and family and friends and, and colleagues. And we had to pull away from everybody and our social connectivity was in great deficit. That really affects our emotional and feeling nature, feeling connected, feeling cared for, and caring for others. But that would happen to anybody anyways. Every seven or eight years, Saturn will come over our moon, and we'll feel sadder. We'll feel more cut off, and we may then cut ourselves off more. And so we have to fight this and reach out and ask for help and look for where we can be of help to make us feel better about ourselves, too. Saturn's been going over your moon all this year. It came across in March, right when COVID was hitting. <laughs> it came right back in June, July, um, and it's coming back right now in December. So you've, whenever Saturn touches a person's moon every seven or eight years, they're going to be in a somewhat more melancholic or sad or even depressed state. And we can't give in to it. We have to ask for help. We have to look. My moon. Square, it's squaring your moon. Yeah, from, from your moon okay. there in late in, in late Libra, Saturn in late Capricorn, squaring your moon. So, and you could look back seven, eight years earlier when Saturn was was in Libra, it would have been on your moon. And so every seven, eight years, it'll line up as it does to anything mm. in a challenging or hard way. And it's not meant to harm us. It's meant to remind us. And it's saying, Moon, our feelings and emotional needs need to be tended to. Don't cut ourselves off. Reach out for help. Reach out and give help, and you can lift yourself out of this. But no matter what, it's going to be a tough year emotionally. And when we're run down emotionally, we, ought, we will get run down physically and become more vulnerable to injury or disease as well. They're connected. So it, that also could play into this. So my advice to you would be don't submit, reach out, ask for help. And, and, and reach out to people who might need you even more than you need them. And by reaching out to them, you help them in their hour of need. And that makes you feel better too. Okay? Well, how long? Now, that's moving on. The Saturn is moving well, on. Saturn, well, Saturn, Saturn, Saturn's moving on, but it's not yet. It's not done yet. It's got to get out of Capricorn, which it doesn't get out of until December the 19th. It makes its last pass on your moon. On December fifteenth. Oh, so yeah. every day after December, yeah, every day after December fifteenth, you're coming out of this, and you'll feel better, much better, um, for sure. Okay, um, and I see nothing like this coming back 
for 2021 at all. I mean, you're going to have Saturn making a nice contact to your sun, which is very uplifting. Um, Jupiter, that's your planet, of course, um, is going, is, has been and is moving through your fifth house and actually will enter your sixth house by March 2021, which, again, should provide a lot of upliftment and improvement of one's general physical and health conditions, that it's a, it's a greater benefit. It helps us to grow. And, and you're very fortunate. I mean, you were born with Jupiter in your first house, um, which is an expansive energy um, and, and, a, and, a, and a very wonderful energy to have. Um, but just because we have it doesn't mean everything is perfect. <laughs> Other things can happen. What was your final outcome for the Uranus effect? How long is that lasting? Lasting? Well, well, yeah, that Uranus effect, which is about for you, it's about making sure you're free to be yourself and you've not denied yourself certain things that would make you more fulfilled and be truly yourself. It makes two more passes in the next true. few months. It, yeah, it, it comes in December of 2020 and it comes back for its final pass in February. So this is more an archetypal moment that everybody hits when they're in their early sixties. It's like they know they're getting older now, but certainly there's time ahead and it's saying one more time, see if you can do this. Can you lift yourself out of a rut and, and be even more what you wish to be even at this point in your life, life's not over. You need to break free of responsibilities you shouldn't carry anymore. And if your life is, fallen into a rut in some way you need to break out and you should break out in a meaningful way not a you know way that's disturbing to others but you know trying freedom is a social thing if i can free myself i should free others they'll be better too for this better experience we're having all together but some people don't want us to change they don't want it they don't want to change the deal so we have to break free of those friends or people uh, who are not letting us be our true self but that's the thing that's sure. pushing you this year Okay. And it should be you then okay. if something exciting and new is coming along, a new venture, a new interest, a new activity. Um, it can be a year of doors opening for that very reason. Okay. So I'm, I'm not waiting for the seven year pass of Jupiter through Taurus. I don't have to wait that whole time to get oh, no, out no, of no, this. No, 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 Jupiter, um, J- Jupiter, you know, is in Capricorn, which is an earth sign, and then it goes into Aquarius, and then it's going to keep moving. That's fine. No, I mean, Uranus is going to keep moving through Taurus. And so I think maybe what you meant, that's got to go several more years, but it's not, it's not going to line up with any part of your chart in a challenging way oh. in the next several okay. years. No, you're done. It finished going over your moon, then Neptune, then Venus, then Uranus. Now you're done. <laughs> um it's not that Uranus is oh. all bad. It's just it's not, gen- not gentle. That's all. It's, just, it, it's, a, it's noted, as, noted as the planet of shocks and surprises, which sometimes can be pleasant surprises, right? But sometimes they're not, even though in the end we realize I needed that shakeup to break me out <laughs> of my complacency, whatever it may be. So we wish it weren't so. Wow. But Renato was, you know, following the this guidance. This was very of, informative. Thank you. And oh, sure. You're, I have you're to very welcome. Keep track of you and your 
website. Sure, no, I, I, I always put out my um, the the advertisement, so to speak, on my blog. I have two blogs, and also in the posted in Instagram and you know Facebook, and also in uh, all the social media platforms, the general ones. And so you'll you'll find me. I'll I'll put out the next show, probably be next week, and then in weeks to come, I I do this regularly. Plus, I put out just writings in the blog itself. So just just follow me, and you'll get the updates. Okay. Are we still on the air? We are, but I have to sign off because I'm going to lose oh. my voice soon. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering. Okay, thank you, Joe. <laughs> thank you so much. No, 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 that's fine. You're very welcome, Michelle. My pleasure meeting you, and, and do call again, okay? Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>